You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we are watching and discussing every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today, we are talking about Therapy, which originally aired November 29th, 2000, was directed by Ken Quapis, written by Ian Bush. Hi, I'm Jake, and my self-worth is at an all-time high. And I'm David, and I must not threaten you people enough. 100% there, by the way. Uh, I changed to that line because I was about to use the same intro you just did. And after reading it, I went, no, Jake's going to use that. (laughs) Before we get into this week's episode, a real quick solo community segment, which unfortunately David couldn't join me for. Looking back at last week, we have some poll results from Twitter for our shittiest and least shitty kid awards, which was a weirdly agreeable uh, set of awards for us last week for robbery. We both agreed that Francis was the shittiest kid of the episode for the way he tried to cheer Finley up and his hesitance to do so, and the internet unanimously agreed. We also both agreed that Dewey was a perfect angel, as usual, and he was the least destructive and for bravely facing Tricky the Bat. And once again, You, our faithful listeners, 100% agreed with us. Uh, One last thing before we move on to the episode. We will not have an episode next week. On November 7th, we will be doing a 24-hour charity stream, which we've been promoting and will be promoted at the end of this episode. You can get more details there. But because of that, we will not have an episode coming out this next week. Uh, So let's go to this week's episode. Uh, Starting with the cold open, this one starts with Hal coming home with a box of eclairs, uh, which Lois says, like, as soon as he comes in, asking if he remembered to get them, and obviously very excited about, uh, and he says he had to cut in front of an old lady to get them, but he got them, but only three. Then they stand over the open box discussing what they're going to do with, with only three eclairs if you know lois is going to split one with dewey but that wouldn't be fair to dewey and sort, sort of weighing their options and they decide that they just won't have any they'll give each of the boys one and they'll just go without then behind them they hear the door open and they both rip into the eclairs they devour them like ravenous bears yes Uh, And then they, like, look back, still huddled over the box, their faces and hands just covered in eclair. Uh, And see, it's like the back door had been left open and the wind was blowing it open. Uh, And that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's such a good cold open. I love it. Uh, Moving on to the episode proper, the plot lines veer in and out of each other a little bit, but I have it divided in three. That makes sense. I did two in my mind. Okay. So I wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. We have an F plot. Yes. An L plot. No. And an A plot. No. We have an A plot, a B plot, and an F plot. We've covered this, David. Because though the A plot has your Malcolm plot line, your Reese plot line, and kind of your Lois plot line. Mm-hmm. Your B plot also has Lois, but also has Hal and Dewey. Not an L plot. I mean, I'd settle for H plot. That's definitely not an A plot. <laughs> I would agree. That's why I went with L plot. <laughs> Uh, Look, you're going to come around to my way of thinking eventually, through osmosis. I won't, though. I won't. Uh, But of course, we always start with the F-plot. And this one starts with Francis uh, in the laundry room, where it seems he's been assigned. uh, And he's with another cadet who's sort of explaining how things are run and... Francis is talking about how Lois uh, always gave him laundry as a punishment, but he actually kind of likes it. He finds it relaxing when he sees the detergent and uh, fabric softener and stuff that they are using. He is immediately, like, offended (laughs) by the poor quality of it and starts, like, chastising this cadet, talking about how, you know, it's hard enough to be in military school. They should at least have comfortable blankets and clothes. The the other cadet explains to him that the reason they use these cheap, shitty products is because the distributor of these products gives them things like tickets to the Georgia State Opera. That sounds awful. (laughs) It doesn't sound great. Look, I've been to Georgia. I've been to the opera. And I just envision mashing those two things together. That sounds terrible. Uh, But he he tells them there's also all sorts of other things that they give to the... uh, cadets for using their inferior products 
Francis is indignant and sends this cadet away, and he is going to run things the proper way. We then see a bunch of cadets coming to Francis uh, in the laundry room with their stuff. It sort of establishes that, uh, that they're much happier now. And they're very excited about the work that Francis is doing. The first cadet in line tells him uh, he's so happy because he's had this rash for forever and he's been hoping that it was from the laundry detergent, and it was. He gives Francis his first bribe. So, as thanks, he gives him a cigar. Was that the first one? Yep. Why did my brain put it out of order? Don't know. Because then uh, when, when that cadet leaves, Eric comes up. And gives him the five. Yes, and, and he asks uh, Francis to do some of his personal laundry as well. Maybe it just didn't register that it was a cigar that he was giving him. Like, I saw him give him something, but I didn't realize it was the cigar. I'm fairly sure it's the cigar. But based on, like, how it looks when he hands it to him, I also couldn't tell exactly what it was. But then later when he's holding it, it looks the same. It has the same sort of, like, gold ring on it. Right. My brain registered it as a candy the first time. And then, like, the cigar was, like, the upgrade at, like when you come back to it, which we'll talk about in a second, but... Gotcha, and that could be. That's 100% how my brain picked it up, so, whoops. <laughs> I was, you started talking about the cigar, and I was like, wait a minute, we we skipped ahead, stop. Uh, see, when he first handed it to him, I thought it was a, like a, a fancy pen, but then when it cuts back okay. to the cigar, it's like the same color, and it has like the same like, yeah. gold ring in the same spot. I, okay, I, I can see that, I yeah. get that, that makes sense. It's just my brain did not draw that connection or conclusion at all. Yeah, uh, Eric, uh, like, directly bribes him with money to do his personal laundry. Yes. And it's an immediate escalation. Then the next time we come to Francis, he is sitting in the laundry room and the shelf behind him and, like, the desk in front of him are just covered in bribes. <laughs> He has just a bunch of shit laying around. He's wearing, like, multiple rings on his fingers. Uh, he's sort of twirling the cigar. It's, I really like the sort of condensed nature of this plot line. I do, too, because it's amazing. Like, it gives both the impression of a long passage of time, but also, like, it's probably just the weekend. Like, Francis has amassed all these treasures in a day or two. The A plot takes about a week, we know. Yeah. So I assume this is also over the course of that same week. Right, but I like the way that you get it, because it yeah. could be two days. It could oh, be absolutely. a week. It could be. <laughs> it's vague, and I love it. And Eric is once again trying to get Francis to do his personal laundry. Specifically, he wants his uh, buller shirt clean because he has a date coming up. Francis tells him it'll be $40. And if he doesn't have the money, then it's not going to happen. He sends him away. So you have to pay if you want to be a player. That's right. Francis sort of dismisses him and walks off. Eric is venting to another cadet who's also complaining about how Francis has gone power mad and he had to trade uh, three CDs just to get his dress blues cleaned. And Eric pulls a red shirt out of his laundry bag and he says, I have a plan to get payback on Francis. And the other cadet looks at the shirt and says, yeah, we'll make him wear a dumb t-shirt. Uh. <laughs> and Eric says, no, we'll put this in with a load of whites. And the other cadet just sort of stares blankly at him. <laughs> Look, he's probably never done his own laundry. Fair enough. He's in a military school. Mom probably did it before then. And then clearly people like Francis have done it for him there. True. But, like, even as a kid, I knew the, like, red or pink shirt and the laundry turns it all pink from, like, sitcoms and cartoons. Yeah, look, it's really believable for me to think that this guy just doesn't understand how laundry works. Or probably a broom. Or basically any basic household stuff. Yeah, fair enough, I guess. He's really got that vibe. Yeah, when we come back, Eric is leading a mob of fellow cadets all wearing pink shirts and underwear. And Eric is telling them he tried to stop Francis. He saw him putting the shirt in and he told him not to do it, but Francis just laughed. Because they all have to wear pink. Yeah, he said pink was a better color uh, for little girls like us. 
<laughs> and they uh, say they've looked everywhere else. Francis has to be in the laundry room. Then they notice a bunch of laundry sacks piled up in a corner. Determined he must be hiding in them. So they all run over and start kicking them. And as they do, Francis is in another bag, like, off to the side and starts, like, worming himself away from the mob, only to be stopped by one of the other cadets putting their foot on his head and calling him out. And that is it for the F-plot. Simple, succinct, I love it. Let's go to the B-plot. I feel like it's the more concise of the two. You mean the L-plot? No, the B-plot. Okay, L plot it is. The the closet plot line. Look, I need to know its real name for my notes so I can make sure to look at the right thing. Yeah, its real name is is the the B plot. plot. Okay. It's this argument will never end, David. Correct. Uh, (laughs) Have fun editing this. Anyway, so on to the L plot. Now, like I said, there's sort of some veering in and out of these plot lines. This one kind of starts with uh, Lois getting some bells out of the closet. In order to do so, she has to have Malcolm, like, with his back against the closet door so that she can, like, profit open just a little to reach in and grab the bells from their Christmas decorations so, so that stuff doesn't just fall out. Which is the, like, first establishing that they have this closet that is just full of shit. It was our garage growing up, but yes, I feel that in so many levels. We see Lois and Hal looking in the closet. I didn't write down what they're looking for. I don't remember what it is. Cooling rack? Yeah. Which Hal is offering to just go buy new ones rather than trying to find them in this closet. But no, she is gonna find those ones. She wants those cooling racks. Yes. Uh, And as they're doing this, she determines that their new family project is going to be cleaning out this closet. Uh, Which Hal brings up that they haven't finished their last family project. And she says, yeah, because they lost it in this closet. It's buried under a ton of crap. Then... When we come back, they are in the process of cleaning this closet, which we see it, like, fully for the first time, like, open up, and it is it is just, like, a solid wall of stuff, which Lois pulls out some underwear. It's, like, the first disgusting thing she finds. <laughs> Human underwear. And Hal pulls out a game called Skittles. Yeah. Which I did some digging into. Uh-huh. Because I didn't know what the fuck Skittles was. Oh, really? Yes. And it's sort of... Uh, th- this is this is kind of Skittles, but it is a very specific sub-genre of Skittles, which is like a European lawn sport. It's like the precursor to bowling, apparently. Uh-huh. That I actually knew. And I, there is a very specific type of Skittles. Did you find that? Uh, yes. Uh, specifically, it is the tabletop variation of it called the devil among the tailors yes i feel like it has a different name though uh it may but that is the official name that i found with like a picture that looks like this Fair uh, enough. The, the distinguishing factor being the like little tower thingy with the ball connected to the string right i feel like the reason i'm thinking of a different name is i think it gets referred to like as uh, many things do, especially with English stuff, regionally. Oh, I, I'm sure. Especially because, like, it's apparently, like, all through Europe, there's, like, different variations of it. Yeah, well, and, like, the only way- reason I know what it is is because a friend of mine was, like, really obsessed with English pubs, even though he'd never been in one. And so, like, he taught me a lot about English pub culture, which was interesting. He actually had one of these. And it looked a little different than what we see in the show. His was like wooden dowel rods. Yeah, that that, that's like... how the examples I found looked too. Okay, that's what that's what he had. But yeah, and I, I'm a little sad that you went digging into this because I thought I was going to have something that you didn't. <laughs> just because of just the weird experiences in my life. Fair enough. But uh, I, I never heard it called The Devil Among the Tailors. I'm trying to remember. Like, I know this is wrong, but like, you know how they have like Kensington and, and like Cambridge versions of, of crap uh, whenever you're looking up stuff. I feel like it's something like that. But I couldn't find it in my quick Google search there. So we'll move on. Okay. But Hal immediately sets up Skittles. He's he's all excited. He hasn't played it in years. He's been looking for this. He immediately, like, gives it to Dewey and has him, you know, take a shot. And he's sort of explaining the basics of it, uh, which Dewey immediately knocks all of the pins down. 
uh, at one try. Hal is ecstatic about, and he tells me oh, some good beginner's luck, and he starts going into more detail about how to do it. And as he's doing that, like, Dewey is setting up his next one, and he once again just immediately knocks them all down. Dewey is the Skittles champion. Yeah, it's his destiny. That's correct. I, I should have looked up the name that Hal calls him to see if that's, like, a real person. I didn't do that. Yeah, that would have been good. That yeah. would have been funny. Then the next time we come back to this, uh, Lois is still cleaning out the closet. <laughs> this time she finds coffee grounds. It's the thing that she's complaining about, which Hal and Dewey are uh, still playing Skittles. Dewey is now blindfolded. <laughs> doing trick shots with like Hal setting up specific like pin splits for him to do and of course Dewey is still nailing every single one. <laughs> then as they're sort of wrapping that up Lois also finds a photo album that belongs to the Petersons mm. which she is confused by. <laughs> yeah, why do we even have this? And then the next time we come back Hal is talking up Dewey and he's all excited because he's going to take Dewey to his co-worker's house to show off this skill because his co-worker never shuts up about his tennis champ kid. Apparently good enough that they've gone to the White House on a trip based on their tennis skills. But, but this is gonna finally shut them up. Uh, Hal and his rivalries. Yep. And then as he's, like, preparing to take Dewey over to this co-worker's house, Lois is uh, complaining uh, about Hal just trying to get out of cleaning the closet. Not entirely. He admits there's some motivation of that in there. Yes. Good on you, Hal. Then we see Hal and Dewey returning from the trip to the co-workers, with Hal looking very disappointed and sort of downtrodden, and he says, wow, you missed 16 shots in a row. It's almost like you were trying to miss them. <laughs> is, there, is there something you want to tell me, son? And Dewey says he doesn't want to play this game anymore. It's boring. And Hal tells him he's turning his back on his destiny, which Dewey is fine with. And he asks Dewey to, you know, just, just do one more shot for his dad. And Dewey refuses and walks away. Sounds about right. Then we get one final uh, scene of Hal and Lois finishing cleaning the closet, which they determine, like, immediately within this scene that they've, they finally realized they just never cleaned this closet out when they moved in. And all of the stuff they're clearing out now is the former owners of the house. And they finish clearing everything out. And the last thing sitting there is a toilet. There initially uh, assumed that a toilet was left behind in this closet. Then Hal goes to pull it out and realizes it is bolted into the ground. Then he gets like a curious look on his face and he reaches out and flushes it and it flushes. Hal and Lois realize that they have a second bathroom. Which I need to talk about this scene for a second. Because for one, I really, really, really wanted to chastise them for, you know, not cleaning out this closet of other people's stuff when they first moved in. And then I looked over and saw my, uh, you know, furnace room and realized that I still have an entire shelf of just random shit from the people who lived here before us that we've never touched. And I am still the Wilkerson's. We haven't evolved, Jake. <laughs> Fair enough. Aside from the fact that we suck, you are finally correct. Because uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we've had... Oh, oh I remember. Oh, I know you've had... Okay. Oh. So the, 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 the thing back, back in season one, to uh, uh -huh. back things up a little bit, to ex explain to anyone who maybe this is their first episode, we ha had many arguments about the positioning of the bathroom in the house. We sure did. Uh, and I couldn't remember, because I, uh, I even brought up that it would be a plot point later on, the bathroom stuff, in reference to this episode. I couldn't remember if they found, like, a, a second or a third bathroom. Uh, I was thinking maybe they had one that was, like, just connected to the parents' room, which the, so, someone on Twitter, which I'll pull up their name so I can thank them again, did send us a, like, floor plan of the house. I'm still so skeptical of that bathroom Dude. layout. But everything else has been 100%, so... Yeah, and, and I thought, watching this, but because of the way, like, it looks, I initially thought that they actually had this bathroom placement wrong, but then I realized what I thought was a door wasn't, and it was actually spot on. I know. <laughs> like, I, I've actually checked a couple times, and so far, this floor plan has been accurate. I know. I think 
that also the only thing that throws my like mind for a loop with this floor plan is the episode where Francis runs away from the military academy to come home. There's still a scene in that, and by God, I'm gonna go back and watch it because I'm telling you, David, I rewatched that scene. It matches the floor plan. I'll look. I'll look. Maybe. I think a lot of the issue is uh, the, the description I've used before, which the existence of this bathroom definitely corroborates, is that this looks like a house I would build playing The Sims. That is true. The floor plan makes no sense. It is so bad. There's like. Five doors into their house. Their bathroom has three doors leading into it. Yes, it does. This is a bathroom that's like, you wouldn't even have room to sit on the toilet properly. Yes. <laughs> You'd have to sit like side saddle. Which the three doors explains why we had the arguments too about where we thought for sure that uh, they moved the bathroom around and like had different sets for it. Because, again, thinking from a cinematography angle now, when you're filming, it would give the illusion that the toilet was in different place in relation to the doors, because we were assuming there were only two doors. Right. But there's actually three, which is absolutely bullshit. Uh, and Erica Peters is who sent us that uh, floor plan, so once again, thank you. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I, I may still obstinately argue against it, but it has nothing to do with you. It's all Jake. And I will still contend, I think the pilot episode may be different. Some of the furnishings and stuff at least are different. The furnishings definitely are. The floor plan yeah. might be as well, yeah. I'll have to go back and check sometime. Maybe that's what we'll do, like, if this continues to do well and we get to the end. We'll just have, like, a couple episodes where we go back and just double-check some shit. Yeah. The B-plot wraps up with Lois and Hal deciding, very similarly to the cold open, uh, <laughs> they are going to keep this second toilet a secret from the boys. <laughs> they, like, immediately start moving stuff back in to hide the toilet. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Especially if you lived in a house with a bathroom with three doors. That is a nightmare. Yeah. It explains why the boys are so comfortable with, like, when Hal steps out of the shower and just wraps the towel around. Or, you know, when Hal's just sitting there pooping and they walk into the bathroom and shit. Like, that's just your way of life in that bathroom. And it's awful. Yes. I agree. I I'm opposed completely to any talking that goes on in the bathroom. It's a solitary time that should not be interrupted for anything. The house is on fire. Let me finish pooping before you tell me. Don't talk to me. I don't need to know. I'm pooping. This isn't a joke, guys. Like, th this is really how Jake is. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, and every once in a while I'll talk to him through the door when he's going to the bathroom just to mess with him, and it is the greatest feeling in the world for me. Because you'll hear the nervousness in his voice, and it is just awesome. <laughs> so that just leaves the A-plot. Ah, yes. Which, like many episodes, opens with Malcolm complaining. This time he is complaining about school and how he feels like it is specifically designed to torture him. The reason being that the Krellboyne class is in medieval week, which initially, as someone who like, even at that age was very into like history and stuff, I was like, that's not bad. That's, that's really fun. But... <laughs> Pretty quickly, we start to see why he doesn't like this. Yeah, yeah. When he said Medieval Week, I was a little... And even after the next scene, I was like, okay, that's not too bad. Like, eh. Yeah, the, the more the episode progresses, the more I'm like, yeah, okay, Malcolm. <laughs> for once, I'm actually on board with Malcolm's bitching. Uh, would you say that he's bitching the perfect amount for someone in his situation? Finally, yes. Okay. But he goes uh, to the bathroom... Uh, to start getting ready for school, uh, which Lois and Dewey are already in there using it. And they're all, like, huddled around the bathroom mirror. And Lois asks him why he's not wearing his jester outfit. Now <laughs> She says he'll put it on when he gets to school. Which, of course, she says no, he can put it on now. She didn't work all night on it for him not to wear it. And he puts the jester hat on, uh, which is when they realize that she forgot the bells. Because they and have to retrieve from the closet. Yep. Which starts the Lois plotline. Yes. I will say, this hat is... Just so obviously homemade. Uh, it is a piece of horror and also amazing at the same time. See, I had to do something very similar to this in high school, David. Yeah. We did like a uh, festival of nations 
where, like, teams of students had to, like, give a little presentation, have, like, a little booth and wear costumes based on their country, which now we would call cultural appropriation. <laughs> that sounds about right. But mine, that I, I made myself in approximately 15 minutes of work, because I, I was assigned to Japan. Oh, no. I made myself some, some cardboard samurai armor. Oh no. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> Which was awesome. And it was very clear I did not put any work into it. You? No. <laughs> See, yeah, the only costume I had to make myself was I was forced to be in a play. Like, the good thing about homeschool is there's not, like, a lot of those opportunities. Like, we were a part of a bunch of groups, but... Fortunately, in Casper, Wyoming, there's not, like, a lot of drama people. But one year, there was, you know, a draw, former drama teacher, and their kids were involved, and they wanted to do a play, and I had to be Johnny Appleseed. I found some old flannel and put a pot on my head. Awesome. It, you put about the same amount of effort, and I see. A hundred percent. Interestingly, uh, this festival also only lasted one year at my school, because the teacher who ran it went to jail. It is also the reason why I'm made uncomfortable by teachers who go by their first name with their students. Speaking of which, uh, we go to Malcolm's classroom, where Caroline is now, it's revealed, in her third trimester. Yeah, she's very pregnant. Yes. And the Krellboins are trying to get her to tell them who the father is. <laughs> Does he work here? Which, uh, going back to season one, she did go on a date with the janitor. She did. But they start preparing for their uh, medieval dance they're going to do for their festival. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> which is like the uh, a sort of typical representation you see of like medieval dancing. It's got that like kind of line dance quality to it. It is a butchering of a European court dance yeah. with fruit. Yeah. It's weird. And the Krell boys are, like, going through their routine, practicing it. You can see why uh, Malcolm doesn't want to participate in Medieval Week. <laughs> it's starting to make sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Except Dabney isn't able to participate because he has to go see the dentist. Air quotes. Yes. Which Malcolm points out to Lloyd that uh, Dabney is always going to the dentist and he, he doesn't see anything wrong with his teeth. And Lloyd explains that the dentist is code for the school counselor. Which also, like, almost won an award from me. Okay. It's just, it's a very, like, I realize there's still a stigma thing, and we should continue to work against that and remove that. But it's it's a very, like, 2000s and pre-2000s thing yeah. to, like, be stigmatized for going to therapy. Yeah, I actually also consider that for... My OK Boomer Awards. I had to purposely steer myself away. Given what I do for a living, almost all of my awards the first time through were all, like, related to the different therapy things that are brought up in here. Because I relate to a bunch of that. Fair. And deal with it all the time, so. But... Lloyd tells Malcolm that he, he also goes to the school counselor regularly. And at least at this point is talking it up about how it's improved his sense of self-worth and he's so much happier. And Isn't it his abandonment issues or fear of no, rejection? No, it's neither. It's his displaced anger, I think is what he says. That's the first one, but no, he... Oh, I guess that's when they're holding the sticks. It, it As it goes downhill... Yeah. He says that he says something about like his fear of rejection or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he he I think he brings that up the second time they talk about it. Yeah. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, he also says that his parents have him seeing the counselor uh, preemptively for his displaced anger. When we come back to this plot line, it is a new day that they are once again doing their stuff for medieval week. Uh, and this time Lloyd gets called away to the dentist. And Caroline is explaining that they are going to do their dance in front of everyone in the auditorium. They've gotten permission. And they're even going to give the other students fruit so that they can participate if they would like. And that point, Malcolm fakes a mental breakdown. Yeah, he like runs into one of them and... Uh, yeah, he, he, like, trips and starts screaming. He, he just yells, like, a bunch of stuff. 
Uh, including about how fat he is and how worthless he is. Well, the, the fat was the last one. Yeah. Yeah, that was the nail that really drove it home. He, he starts off by saying that he's, he's worthless and he can't do this and he's no good. And then he says something else that I've forgotten. And basically, it's just a bunch of the same words realistically from a therapeutic standpoint he's just attacking his self-esteem yeah when like people are staring at him and there's that awkward moment of silence then he like throws in and i'm fat and then it pans away we then see malcolm in the school counselor's office sitting at a computer playing a video game with the counselor in the background and she t- tells Malcolm that she wants him to relax and she wants this to be a space he can come to uh, to relax and talk about his issues. As she's explaining this, you can hear in the background <laughs> Lloyd being punched. <laughs> you can like hear him screaming and then like a punch sound effect and then the bells ringing, uh, which Reese had mentioned earlier he loves Medieval Week because it's easier to spot the Krellboins and they jingle when you punch them. <laughs> Then Malcolm uh, talks a little bit to the counselor and he turns to camera and says that he has a difficult balancing act because he needs to be brought in regularly to see the counselor, but he doesn't want to be put on medication. Yeah, you got to keep up the ruse. Yeah. Then we see Malcolm coming home from school, uh, which Reese is already there. And Reese is talking about how he had a great day because they did the assembly and they gave them fruit to throw at the Krellboins. <laughs> what were they thinking? Ah, uh, yes. How thoughtful of the school. <laughs> and we also get, like, an explanation of why Reese tortures the Krellboins here. Yeah, it's... Oddly self-aware. Yeah. And horrible at the same time. Yeah. He, he explains that when the Krellboins are all rich with their model wives, he wants them to know that the guy outside cleaning their pool kicked their ass. Yup. It is a weird moment of clarity. And Reese starts to question where Malcolm was, why he wasn't there to have fruit thrown at him. Malcolm tells him he was at the arcade. And Reese immediately calls out the arcade is closed. And Malcolm says, the arcade in the mall. And it seems like Reese is going to piece together that he's lying. And then he gets distracted when he realizes that he can smell his own breath. God. Then, uh, in sort of a similar scene, we see Malcolm once again coming home late. Uh, This time, Lois notices uh, as she is cleaning out the closet but before she can like start asking too many questions malcolm points and says is that a truck tire (laughs) (laughs) which lois immediately blames hal for yes then we get a montage of malcolm studying with like increasingly large numbers of books uh assorted like adolescent uh like therapy and psychology books i didn't back it up because again i didn't want to make everything about like the therapy stuff for this episode because again that's super easy for me to do but i'm pretty sure i saw like a dsm like three which is an actual like mental health diagnosing book tool thing gotcha uh it's got that like light blue purple border that like all of them that i see at the facility have i don't use them i don't i'm not a i'm not a licensed therapist so i don't i don't know for sure but the book looks like the others Okay, but then the montage ends with the counselor sitting with a book open doing research, (laughs) clearly, like, stumped by something Malcolm has done. (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta go to the books. Now, which, uh, before we move away, or I forget, I did want to point out, I recognized this lady. Yeah? Do, Do you have a guess why, David? Probably because of that time she was in Buffy. Yes. Uh huh. I also recognize her for the same reason. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do you remember her character's name? I do not, but I guarantee that I remember I did not like her. Uh, she's Pat. That's, she's, yep. She, okay. She's in one episode. She, yep. She's like Joyce's uh, book club friend. Yep. In season two. I 100% thought that lady was going to be a demon. She was not. I know. She ended up getting killed by one, though. That's it. Yeah. Uh, well, and then she did get, like, possessed by the evil mask. 
if I recall correctly. That sounds right. Is that that episode? I think so. I think so. Sounds right. Anyways, Editor Jake here, clarifying that it's actually a season three episode of Buffy, not a season two episode of Buffy that Pat appears in. But on the upside, it is the one with the evil mass fade. So at least we got that right. When we come back from the montage, they're back in the Krellboyne classroom where Malcolm is like sitting with his head on the desk, clearly very tired. And Lloyd walks over to him and you know, congratulates him and says that the hardest part is admitting that you need help. Uh, <laughs> Well, potentially get to it in a war, but uh, Malcolm says something else is not inspired. <laughs> it's clever. Uh, then Caroline tells the class that unfortunately their plan to go to a looming demonstration has been canceled and instead they're going to have to go to the site of a massacre and then the torture museum and then pizza. Ah, what a day. <laughs> Which, of course, Malcolm wants to go to. Uh, and when he asks if there's a gift shop at the torture museum, he's informed that he can't go because he has to go see the counselor. The, the dentist. Day. Yes, the dentist. The day of their trip. Uh, which Malcolm says it's time for him to have a breakthrough. Uh, which we see as he's back in the uh, counselor's office explaining a dream that he had. It was about a butterfly. It was either blue or purple and definitely not red or orange. <laughs> And the counselor is praising them because he's starting to relax. They've, they've made so much progress. And as Malcolm leaves, he says, you know, I think I'm starting to like myself. And I couldn't have said that on Tuesday. Uh, and then aside to camera, he also says that he needs to seem cured, but also leave enough wiggle room that he can relapse when they start their uh, ballet training next month. But when he goes to leave, uh, sitting in the waiting room is Reese. And Reese has figured out Malcolm's scam, and he's trying to get in on it. And he is uh, doing the thing from The Shining, holding up his finger, saying, Reese isn't here, only Davy. Uh. <laughs> he's let in to see the counselor. Uh, and of course... Malcolm is immediately worried that Reese is going to get them caught. Reese needs to think about how much trouble they'll be in with Mom and the school and Mom. <laughs> but Reese reassures him that he won't get caught because he's also been doing research. At which point he pulls some rented movies out of his bag. Specifically, he has uh, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Seven, and The Naughty Professor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, one of those makes sense. <laughs> then, as uh, Reese is asking whether he should wear the Hannibal Lecter face mask or the hockey mask, the school counselor uh, has showed up and has told Lois that she's there for a home visit because her children are emotionally distressed. Uh, and then we cut to them sitting in the living room with Reese sitting like at a shelf with his hands behind his head. On his knees. Yes. Yeah, he looks like he's getting ready to get arrested. Yes. Which he should get comfortable with that position. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, while the counselor, Malcolm, and Lois are all sitting on the couch talking... The counselor is explaining that Malcolm has been coming in to see her all week, and she wants to talk about some of the issues Malcolm has brought up to her. And first she shows Lois a picture Malcolm drew, uh, which is a family picture, <laughs> except Malcolm is in the, like, monster jaws of a giant Lois. I love what you did with my teeth. Yes, and Lois is doing the, like, quiet rage thing. <laughs> she does so well. It's so good. <laughs> Where she's clearly, like, furious, but she's waiting to get, like, all of the information before she explodes. Yeah, she's 100% <laughs> playing along. Then Malcolm explains that when she's angry, she bottles up and she closes herself off and won't speak to Malcolm. And she says that she'll try to be more vocal. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell Malcolm, like, he's looking away all sheepish and everything. Like, at first he's wondering if he should tell Lois all the things that he's been telling the counselor. And then he just kind of gets backed into the corner, so he starts. He also uh, says that he wishes Lois wouldn't spend so much time at the racetracks. Oh, God, yeah. But then he brings up that Lois puts too much pressure on him, uh, which Lois sort of keys in on, realizing that th this is an actual issue that has sort of been risen in Malcolm's little plot, uh, and they start discussing that, that it 
gets a little bit into the issues that we've sort of brought up before of Malcolm being in this gifted program and the pressure he feels to meet his potential the, the way his parents want him to, then... It cuts away, and when it cuts back, Lois and Malcolm are on the couch, like, hugging each other and crying, clearly having done, like, actual helpful uh, counseling stuff. Counseling uh, it, stuff? Yes. Therapy is the uh, Th word That's the word after. for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which Reese, uh, <laughs> still in his position, sort of looking over at them, and then he, like, scoots over towards them, and, like, also sort of hugs Lois, and pretends to cry, and says, yeah, it really pissed me off when you took my hockey stick away, just because I was hitting Dewey with it. I know you're sorry, and I'll go get it out of the attic later. Clearly <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to take advantage of the situation. Yeah, 100%. Freaking Reese. Yep. Uh, so to go to our awards... We need, like, a fanfare there. Awards. Uh, we, we usually save these for last. Okay. But I feel like we should go straight in, because of the last thing we covered... Uh-huh. ...to our shittiest kid... Uh-huh. ...for which I have chosen Reese... ...specifically because... Uh-huh. ...of his trying to take advantage of, like, this breakthrough that Lois and Malcolm have had, in addition to his trying to run the same racket as Malcolm, and his consistent abuse of the Krellboins, and all of that. Uh, who did you have for your shittiest kid, David? Malcolm. Okay. Yeah, I was not, I was prepared for more of a build-up for this. Look, if you're the type of person who wants to fake a mental disorder or mental health issues for attention or to get out of something you're the worst type of person because i get to deal with those people a lot seriously that shit pisses me off there is such a stereotype on getting help for the problems that are absolutely real still in this country we're in 2020 for god's sake and people still get berated and belittled for seeking the mental health that they need i realize it's all a joke and stuff in here but there are people who really do this right and it drives me up a wall you should not feel bad because you need to go get help. Go get help if you need help. There's nothing wrong with it. Life is hard. Life is not fair. Yeah, I know. But seriously, like, go seek help. Find a counselor. Find people to talk to. There are hotlines out there if you're thinking about hurting yourself or doing anything stupid. Take your mental health seriously. You deserve to be here. You deserve to have a good life. And you deserve to feel good doing it. You don't have to be miserable. And you should seek serious mental health help with that. And so anything or anyone that makes a mockery of that, yes. Immediate shittiest award, period. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. The, the only reason I also considered Reese is because he does the, the, the same thing, albeit with less awareness. Yeah, yes. Look, I'm not, I, I can't argue against Reese. Like, I can't say no, he's not a shitty kid. I just didn't pick Reese because it seemed like, again, Malcolm was calculated about it. It's the difference between first degree murder and manslaughter here. They're both bad. But one is just because you're already a shit human being and opportunistic. The other one is calculated and planned. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Just the extra also shitty things Reese did on top of that is why I ended up choosing him. Fair enough. On the flip side, who did you have for your least shitty kid, David? I think I'm going to surprise you. Okay. Francis. Okay. No, I, I considered Francis. Because grading on a curve, mm -hmm. again, because we have to. Yeah. Francis tries to not do the Francis thing and immediately run a scam. Francis is 100% getting this award from me because, one, he starts off and I assume probably assigned a laundry as a punishment, just knowing Spangler and him and knowing Francis. He has a very serene attitude about that. And then two, when they first start trying to bribe him, he's very insistent on like, no, no, it's cool. I like I I enjoy doing this. 
but again, we're, we're, it's a very concise storyline. So what it, it appears quickly, but it seems like over time, he starts to turn that from this reluctant taking of gifts into building his little evil laundry empire. But he also does get his comeuppance, which we have ruled as, as you know, he learns his lesson in the form of a good solid butt whooping and a boot to the head, literally. But yeah, no, so I, I, I chose Francis. I, I was really tempted to choose Dewey, but uh, one, I knew that I can't pick Dewey every time. I got in trouble for that once already. <laughs> uh, and two, <laughs> Dewey didn't do anything bad, but he didn't learn anything, so. Yeah, uh, I chose Dewey. Because he's amazing. Yes. Yeah. But also, with Hal being Hal, <laughs> I think it is an important lesson for Dewey to learn that sometimes you need to distance yourself from this thing that Hal's excited about. <laughs> and admittedly, this one isn't, you know, as morally corrupt as, say, his counting cards thing or his behavior in the uh, when they go to the race. But I, I get what you're saying. So it's Dewey's showing good judgment here. Yes. Okay. Okay. I can get that. Look, I'm always down for Dewey winning this award because he's a perfect angel. Uh, yeah. There's also that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can, I can see that. That's perfect. It is fair. I just wanted to give it to Francis because again, all the reasons I listed, and then also just you know, if I pick Dewey too many times in in a month, Jake actually literally beats me. Yeah, no, so I, I, I can see that. Also, I feel like this is very much so r related to how we grew up. Because my dad got super focused into things, but he was, like, home so rarely that it didn't really matter. Whereas I know your dad. Like, he would get hyper into something, and that's all we did all summer. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I will say, though, to Francis' credit, this is a rare instance where he's not the shittiest person in his plot line. That is true. That is true. That's pretty rare. Uh, moving to our next award, what did you have for your roller skating gain award? Your award for the best visual moment. I had two. One that I decided to give the award and one that I dubbed the runner-up. The, the one that I gave the award to is Francis in the Bag. I love that scene. I love the way it looks. I just, it's simple. It's not difficult. They probably literally just shoved the actor in a giant laundry bag. Oh, for sure. But just the way that he like squirms across the floor and, and the boot coming down on the head, stopping him crawling. Like, I don't know. I don't know why, but for whatever reason uh, on this watch through that, that scene was awesome. That, David, was my runner up. Uh, well, let's see if I can, if I nail your choice with my runner-up. I doubt it, but the other one was actually uh, in the Krellboyn class, the uh, medieval week, um, because while it seems awful and I would never want to endure it, the amount of work and the costumes and everything was actually pretty, like, spot-on, and I really enjoyed it. It looks great. It looks horrible, but it looks great, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Also... They do a really good job of, like, making them look like varied levels of skill, and they look homemade, but also really good at the same time, just kind of, like, driving home that sort of, like, nerd persona. Like, yeah. these, these are your cosplayer kids, let's be honest. Like, cosplay hasn't really, like, taken over the nerd scene at this point in time, but, like, that's these kids. So. For sure. It's, it's so great. I don't know. I just, I love those scenes. Uh, for my Roller Skating Keen Award, I chose specifically the blindfolded, like, <laughs> trick shot, uh, skittle shot from Dewey. That was pretty good. Because, uh, like, most of those shots, you could, like, like they cut it up quite a bit. There's a couple cuts in between. Uh, and, and you can see where they, they were, like, you doing a trick there to make it look like he was doing this perfectly. This one, there's really not... Like, I, I'm sure they just had it, like, set up to, like, like, just have him release it and it would go perfectly. But it was just a nice little shot that I enjoyed. It was a nifty little shot. It, it did look good. And I do like it. You know what? We're not arguing about our reward awards this. Right? Uh, you're starting to come around to a better way of thinking, Jake, and I like it. <laughs> sure, let's call it that. Okay. What did you have for your hot dog with mustard on it award? Your award for the best lie. Ah, uh, yes. It's a conversation between Lloyd and Malcolm. Yep. And uh, Lloyd says that, uh, what does he say? Admitting you have a problem is the hardest part. And then 
Malcolm responds back with, no, keeping up with all of the cognitive and behavioral therapies is the hardest part. That, that was also my first choice for this award, but I had a feeling you were going to use it. I have a very simple backup. Yeah? Yes. Uh, and it's uh, when, when Hal is talking to Dewey at the end of their plot line, and he says, do you really want to turn your back on your destiny? And Dewey just says, yep, and walks away. <laughs> that's, no, that's fair. That's, it's such a good moment. I love Dewey. He's so good. But was he good enough, David, to be your favorite character of the episode? No. This week goes to Lois. Okay. I love the frantic closet scenes just so much. And then also, I took a line from her for my intro. I love the first time she finds, I think it's the underwear. Yeah, it's the underwear. Yeah, it's the human underwear? Clearly, I don't threaten you people enough. It's just so, uh, it's so Lois. And then what really pushed her over the top is the scene of the quiet rage and like playing into it with Malcolm. Like, that's some good acting on her oh yeah absolutely she's definitely the best actor in this episode yeah a hundred percent and on top of it just the the awesome lois moments that are very essential to that character and and just kind of what we've come to expect so so good so good i love it uh fair enough i did not choose lois as my favorite character though I chose Hal. Okay. Just the immediately getting distracted <laughs> by a cool fade he found while, like, cleaning out the closet. It's one of those things that's, like, it's somewhat relatable now. But I also love when Hal is like, that's relatable to me when I was 10. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love when Hal is, like, very childish. And I love that he's, like, immediately just completely infatuated with this idea that, that this is Dewey's destiny, and he, he wants to make him a star of this obscure European lawn game. It's really funny to me. And then also his admitting, like, as he's taking Dewey away, that he is partially doing this to get out of cleaning the closet. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, Hal is great, and I, I also, like, I feel like our basement is, like, it's not a total wreck, but, like, our basement area is definitely not as clean as it could be. I feel like because half the times when we clean it up, like, we find other stuff and we're like, oh, we could do this with this and this would be great for this. And we start talking about ways that we could, like, make more content or, like, things that would be really cool if we could get. And then we get distracted and then, holy shit, it's 11 o'clock at night. We need to go to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So I, I get it. Like, this is me as a kid. This is me as an adult. I remember spring cleaning at the house when I was a kid. I found once I had, well, my brother had this like Venom, collectible Venom action figure and it went missing and uh, we totally blamed one of our friends for stealing it and like for like months and like didn't trust him and like got parents involved and stuff and then we did spring cleaning and we found it like wedge deep down inside the couch <laughs> sorry that memory just came flooding back as i started talking about and thinking about how relatable hal's excitement over finding stuff we found so much shit in that couch uh, couches will do that yeah yeah 100 what david did you have for your okay boomer award your award for the moment that sets the episode firmly within its time of release so again i went i glossed over the one we've already talked about and instead went with the uh colored bubble windows gaming machine that they had given out to a bunch of schools because that was like the thing the the one school in town here that got them at that point in time was like the shit and all everybody that went to public school was all about it and they were playing computer games and da 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 da, da and I was homeschooled, so I was like, okay, whatever, I don't really give a shit. But it was enough of a thing that I remember kids would stay at school after school to play games until they, like, got kicked off of them. And they had to shut that down. And that was annoying to me as a kid because none of my friends were home to play with because they were all still at school playing video games on their computer and I couldn't do that. Oh, no. Also, none of my schools ever had anything like that. Yeah, no, that's because it... Like, I went to the poor school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I literally think it was, what, two schools around this time that had them here? I don't know. <laughs> it was two. It was one of the high schools and two of the junior highs. Uh, I, I can almost guarantee Centennial 
Yeah. yeah, to, yeah to get yeah. into the very specific local stuff. Centennial is the rich middle school you in are... the town that we live in. That is correct. Which I went to seventh grade there specifically for that reason. Uh, me and all of my friends went there because we realized this and were like, they have better stuff. They they do. And we were right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they still have better stuff. Yeah, way better. <laughs> yeah. They have a brand new building. Yeah, and they have, like, end-of-year, like, festivals, where, where they have, like, the, the, like, big inflatable, like, shit, like, like the, the giant slides and, like, bungee cord thingy and all that cool shit, which none of the other schools get. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> they constantly have shit like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, 100%. There is... I love our state. And for the most part, I like our city. Our school board is fucking terrible and the the favoritism that is so prevalent to certain schools and, and things in our school system is awful we have oh, yeah. a high school in town that literally was built into an old rundown castle and their excuse for never updating it for years and making it something that could actually house the amount of students that they had was it's historical it's historical um and it took what we're adults now, and they're finally renovating parts of it. But I mean, they're, they're like nine percent done at this point. God, but yeah, it took decades. Yeah, and this was a concern and a problem before we were born. Like my mom tells me stories about from when she was in high school. <laughs> right. But yeah, so that's that's our local school board. That's awesome. There you go. You probably didn't want to know about that. But now you do. <laughs> uh, talk about alienating your fan base. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I've edited out a lot of hyper-specific local stuff we've talked about. I think this one's staying in. You know, I haven't gone back and, like, watched our sh or I, I guess listened to. I haven't gone back and, like, listened to our show except for, like, one or two episodes. So I have no clue what you edit out. So in my mind, everything we've talked about in front of this microphone exists out there in the internet. My OK Boomer Award went to a very specific thing, uh, specifically in the montage uh, where Malcolm is studying the psych books. Uh, you can see on a shelf behind him, he has a squirrel plushie, uh, which 2000 was like a little bit past like the peak of the Pokemon hype. Uh, it would be a year after the first movie came out in the States, which is like the most popular it ever was. So Malcolm had probably like just seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the second movie came out in 2000. So it, it was still like within the Pokemon mania, but it was starting, like just starting to like decline at this point. Okay. Games came out in the U.S. in 98, the original games did. That makes sense. Also, yeah, that tracks. So I, I chose that. Uh, I also considered uh, the fact that Reese had rented VHSs. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as the one-two punch of, one, video rental stores basically don't exist anymore. They don't. And two, VHSs. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, God, I didn't even... See, and that's how old I am, like... I still don't stutter at VHSs, like, but again, okay, working where I do, like, they use VHSs and DVDs, so, like, there's still VHSs. I grew up with them, so it doesn't really, like, give me that mental stutter step that it does some people, but I was around a person who didn't know that VHSs were still, like, available, or, like, how to use them ah. recently. That made me feel so old. Yeah, uh my oldest nieces and nephews have used VHSs. I don't know that my brother's kids who are like four to five years younger than them ever have. Yeah, when you gotta think about it, like if you're from a like upper class or kind of wealthy family, you could be 18 and have never seen a VHS. Oh yeah, for sure. Which is so crazy to me. That wraps up our award. No, it doesn't. You missed one. The A plot of your heart. Oh shit, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, what did you have for the A-plot of your heart, David? I had, as much as Malcolm's actions and it ticked me off, the overall plot and, like, Stevie, his one line that you get from Stevie, <laughs> which is just amazing. I almost chose that. 
Also, his costume, by the way, I okay, we have to talk about this for a second. I I would be remiss if it doesn't Stevie's dressed as the fucking Pope, okay? Like Yeah. It is hilarious. But everything about that plotline, except for what Malcolm does, is great and I love it. And what Malcolm does like plays into that obviously and I wish they'd have done a better job of addressing how shitty what Malcolm did was. But I also understand this was made in 2000, so, I mean, the writers probably still had some of those stigmas, and, and even if they were pretty progressive people, in 2000, mental health and, and mental health treatment and things like that were not looked at positively by a lot of people. Yeah, it's the, like, late 90s and 2000s, there was a lot of jokes about, like, therapy it, it was a frequent source of mockery and see okay there you use the word like therapy jokes are fine and like i am perfectly fine with having a a joking setting where you have somebody in therapy therapy can be a funny thing but i i think it's it's the same thing as and i might upset some people here but uh, i'm jewish being jewish not necessarily the funniest thing. Being Jewish in certain settings can be funny. Being in therapy, therapy existing, not really a joke. Right. Funny things happening in therapy can happen. And, and I'm all for that. One, I've seen actual therapy consistently for the last seven and a half years. Funny shit happens. And two, making a joke in a therapy setting is perfectly fine. Like, that's that's fine, and I, I don't have a problem with shows that do that. But yeah, you start to see, especially with these, like you said, the, the 90s and early 2000s, you see a lot of therapy is the joke, the right. therapist is the joke. God, I hate that. Yeah, not great. Yeah, no. It's it's not good, but we're making progress. We're getting further. I just yeah. We're not where we need to be. I mean, think about when we were kids, if you'd have found out that a president of the United States was going to therapy, that people would have questioned his ability to lead the country. Whereas now, I think if you found out that one of the presidents was going to therapy, most people would say, thank God. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Right? <laughs> but, but legitimately, I mean, I, I don't think it would cause... You would still have people who would try to be like, oh, he's not fit to lead. But I don't think so much so that it would end their presidency. Yeah, I feel like that would have been the vast majority when we were kids. Yeah, absolutely. I did not choose the A-plot for the A-plot of my heart. I actually chose the F-plot. That makes sense. I mean, Francis uh, was pretty good. Yeah, Francis was good. I also, I think part of why I liked it so much is that the last couple episodes have, have not done Francis well. That's it, it, was, it was good to see him being you know, likable again. Yeah, it's always nice to, <laughs> nice to see that redemption, even though it wasn't meant to be a redemption arc. Right, and like we already discussed, I really like the compression of time that they do. What, what it reminds me a lot of, actually, now that I think about it, is the community plot line, the, uh, specifically the one where they uh, pretend to be gangsters. Oh, God. Ah, I forgot all about that. But yeah, that's such a great show. If you haven't seen The Community, you really should. But uh, Absolutely. But watch Malcolm in the Middle first. Well, you only have to watch one Malcolm in the Middle episode a week. Exactly. Watch the episode, listen to this podcast, then go watch The Community. <laughs> it's like that you call it The Community. It's just community. No, it's The Community. It's not, though. It is, though. No. It is, though. I'm real. I'm... The community makes it sound like a horror movie. <laughs> a, a cult. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, you know why I call it that? Why? Because I thought that that was the title of the show for the first two seasons. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then I realized it wasn't, and I went, well, I can't back down now. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah. It's, it's a very, like, old person calling all consoles Nintendo kind of thing, is the vibes it gives off. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's that's 100% where this comes from. Yeah. Or the me referring to any handheld Nintendo fucking console as a Game Boy. Yeah, I can't... The first time you, you referred to the Switch as a Game Boy... I was so confused. <laughs> uh, to be fair, when I do it to the Switch, I'm doing it, like, knowingly and, like, semi-ironically. Okay. But I called, like, through the 3DS without even thinking Game Boys. They, they left that name behind it. 
after the Game Boy Advance, which I didn't realize until at one point I referred to my 3DS in front of my one of my nieces as a Game Boy, and they went, what is a Game Boy? Oh, God. <laughs> but in my mind, like, all of those products were the Game Boy 3DS. That's its title. Right, yeah. Uh, I was today year old when I found out that that's not what it's called. It's not the Game Boy 3DS? Nope. Uh, specifically, the DS was the first one where they lost the Game Boy name. Really? Yep. Oh. It was just the Nintendo DS. You know, they're all Game Boys, uh, especially if it's a Nintendo handheld. Yep. Look, the first one that I didn't, like, that I knew wasn't a Game Boy was the Switch. Yeah. That's crazy. I really, I also thought that it was Nintendo 3DS <laughs> Game Boy or something to that effect. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Me unwittingly doing that is why I, I now continue jokingly do it, do it with the Switch. Okay. That's crazy. Uh, well, you learn something new every day, folks. Okay. That wraps up our awards. There you go. But I have a new segment for you, David. I don't like this. So taking advantage of the fact that you haven't watched through the series before. I hate you. We are, are going to start doing what I have dubbed David's Guessing Game. Oh, no. No. Where, where you, in a couple sentences are going to try to summarize, based just on the title, what happens in the next episode. Oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, so, David, what do you think happens in the episode High School Play? So I'm going to guess that Malcolm gets forced into a situation where he is put onto some sort of drama class or something, and he whines bitches and moans and tries to get out of it until... There's some hot chicks involved, and then he's, like, all in, and Reese is going to get jealous and try to horn in on it somehow, but fail, because that's just what Reese does. Dewey's going to be an angel, Hal's going to do something zany and wacky, I don't know, and Lois will either be very angry at Malcolm or be very proud of his artistic endeavors. That, that is an interesting mix of completely accurate and completely incorrect guesses, David. Awesome. I'm going to enjoy the segment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is going to be awful. Uh, internet, please don't fry me. I really have never seen this. That's what makes it fun, David. For me. Yeah, for you. And hopefully the audience. Hopefully. But I mostly, hope... most importantly, for me. I hope that, no, most importantly them. I hope they enjoy this. Watch the episode, prove me wrong. I'm definitely wrong. But that wraps this episode up. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast, or by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com. Twitter is also where you can find our weekly shittiest and least shitty kid polls. Also, if you enjoy the back and forth and the banter here and want to come join us live and enjoy video games, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray where we stream all sorts of different video games and sort of conversate with the audience and go back and forth just like we do here on the show. Also, don't forget... November 7th, starting at 8 a.m. Mountain Time, we will be live for 24 hours with an event called Extra Life, where we're raising money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Uh, it's a really awesome cause. It's a really great thing. We couldn't do it without your guys' support. And it's a ton of fun, too. We have a ton of fun. The audience has a ton of fun. Uh, you guys can get involved. And also, uh, there's rewards for different donations if you're able to. But even if you're not able to donate, just stop by, chat, keep us awake, uh, see what's going on, have some fun. Spread the word. It helps. Every little bit helps. Yep. And uh, tune in to watch me try to recreate Francis's act of heroism as I attempt to eat 100 beeps. Yeah, I am concerned that Jake will be down for the count. Like, we've factored in some, uh, how shall we say, recovery time for Jake, but uh, I'm not sure he'll recover in time. You and me both, David. Yeah, you and me both. that is a monumental task he's undertaking. I have the fucking pile of peeps sitting in my room, and I swear to God, it looks bigger every time <laughs> I see. Every day closer we get, uh, it looks bigger. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and remember, life is unfair. <laughs>